Hi church, welcome to my living room. I expect you're going to be seeing a lot of this space in the coming weeks. What a week it's been. Um, I have to confess when when I was thinking about how it's me preaching on this first Sunday when we're all not actually together at church, I was a little bit nervous thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to completely rethink the sermon to speak into everything that's been going on this week. But actually, I think what we already had planned happens to fit perfectly and speaks so much into what we need to consider at this time. I suspect God maybe had a plan in this after all, guys. So we're in the book of Ruth. We started a series last week looking at Ruth um, with Tony preaching. Let's just recap for those of you who perhaps weren't there where we've got to in the story so far. So basically we've got an Israelite woman woman called Naomi. She and her husband um, find themselves in a time of famine in Israel and so they flee to a nearby country called Moab to avoid the famine. Um, While they're there, their two sons get married to two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. Sadly, Naomi's husband dies while they're there And then a short time after, both of Naomi's son dies. So Naomi and Orpah and Ruth are all left widowed. Now in this ancient culture, women who were on their own were very vulnerable. If you didn't have a husband or you weren't in a family of someone's daughter, you were really vulnerable. For example, women couldn't own land. So they really are in a tricky situation now. Naomi decides the best thing for her to do is to return to her homeland of Israel. She's returning empty-handed with nothing. She encourages her two daughters-in-law to stay in Moab, arguing that they're young enough to remarry, to get new husbands. However, Ruth is determined that she wants to stick with Naomi. She wants to come back to Israel with Naomi. And so we're picking the story up this week in Ruth chapter 2, where they have now returned to Israel. And now we're going to go and join Julie Rose in her house, where she's going to read the passage for us. Ruth chapter 2 Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained there from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. 
At this she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some of the stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephath. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the woman of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Thanks for that, Julie Rose. Great to see you there. So I just wonder if one of the reasons why Ruth decided to return to Israel with Naomi is because she'd heard something of Israel's laws about how they care for the poor. Back in the book of Leviticus, God is giving his expectations to Israel about how they should live as a nation, how they should live as his people. And if we look in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 to 10, they're given this specific instruction. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. That law is why Ruth goes to glean in Boaz's field. It's an expectation of how this society works. And she's obviously heard about that. Israel has many laws like this about caring for the poor, the foreigner, the widow, those who are vulnerable in their society. And so Ruth, I imagine, has an expectation that by coming to Israel with Naomi, this is going to be a safe place for them where they are going to be cared for. But there's a problem. 
You see, this story is set in the time of Israel's history, known as the time of the judges. It's the time before they had actual kings and, and they had these people called judges who were in positions of authority and would help to advise people on the right way to go about things. Now, what we're told in the book of Judges of this time is that it's a time when everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It was every man for himself. People weren't consistently following these laws, these standards of living that God had given him, given them. And actually, if we read the book of Judges, a lot of the stories about what's happening at that time show it was really not a good place. There was a lot of bad stuff going on. People were not caring for each other and were actually doing really quite bad stuff. And so Ruth has this expectation of Israel. But will the nation live up to that expectation when the nation as a whole is in such a bad place? Well, it's encouraging to see that actually, even though the nation as a whole is messed up, there are still people in Israel who are striving to follow God's way. And Boaz is an example of one of them. And so Boaz does let Ruth glean in his field and offers her some protection. Now, let's think for a moment about how this applies to us. Obviously, I don't imagine we have fields where we are gleaning harvest where we're reaping and have to worry about the edges but what does it mean for us to not reap to the edge of our fields to leave some spare in in this current situation when we're looking at how we're resourcing ourselves what we're getting from the supermarkets and so on are we taking everything that there is or are we leaving something for others dare we talk toilet rolls for a minute when we find that Tesco's finally has some loo rolls on the shelves, do we buy up as many as we can or do we take enough and leave some for other people? Now, here's the thing. I know people have been panic buying and I don't want to stand here and, and be judging people and be making people feel bad because I think where people are gathering up too much for themselves where they're not leaving spare for others I think the reason they're doing that is because they're frightened because there's a fear it, it's called panic buying for a reason it's because they're panicking they're afraid and the thing is if someone's feeling afraid what's the best way to resolve that does telling them you're wrong you shouldn't be afraid you shouldn't do this help them stop being afraid I don't think it does. But we do know from God's word what combats fear, what drives out fear. Perhaps if, if you're able to, you can chip in like we would normally on a Sunday where, where we're together and say, what combats fear? In, the, in your comments on the video, what combats fear? I'm hoping at this point that you're all quickly typing in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And so, church, what we need to do at this time, rather than criticising those who might be behaving in ways that we see as not being helpful, is actually to cast out their fear by showing them love. By showing our love and care for others, we can help with that fear. As we offer to share our surplus with others, as we offer to pick up groceries for other people, 
we can combat that fear. And even if we're not in a place to be able to share a surplus with others right now, even if we're perhaps stuck at home ourselves and so can't pick up groceries or do other things, we can still share God's love with others. Perhaps we could offer to pray for someone. Perhaps we could drop someone an encouraging message or a Bible verse. Now I know at this time when we're struggling ourselves perhaps, sharing with others, giving out to others can feel really tough. We may struggle to feel like we've got anything to give. But let's keep some perspective about what we actually do for others and what's helpful. If we turn back to the passage in Ruth again, let's look at how Boaz actually goes about helping Ruth. If we look at verses 14 onwards. So she's already gleaning in Boaz's field. And then at the mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves. Don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Now, you see, Boaz, recognising Ruth as someone who was in need, could have given her a bunch of barley already threshed. And he could have been so proud of himself. Look how good I've been. Look what I've done for Ruth. I've given her all of this. He could have gone above and beyond what was asked of him in God's law. But actually, Ruth doesn't need him to do that for her. She's perfectly capable of threshing for herself, of reaping for herself. What is it that Ruth actually needs? What is actually going to help Ruth during this time? And I would suggest to you there's two ways that he helps her. First of all, he meets an immediate need. Right there working in the field, she's going to be hot and she's going to be thirsty. And that makes it hard to work. And so when they're having their meal time, he invites her to join them for a drink and something to eat. He meets the immediate need of hunger and thirst so that she's then able to continue harvesting for herself. He empowers her to do that. By gleaning for herself, she's then able to build up a store of food to help her in the future. If all he did was just give her the food and drink she needed right there and then, she would have to be coming back for that again and again. But he's empowering her by meeting that immediate need to start building up a resource for herself. Secondly, He asked his workers to just pull out a few extra stalks for her without reprimanding her. You know, I imagine gleaning around the edge of the fields or following along behind the main harvesters and picking up what they've dropped was probably quite discouraging work. It would be hard and you really were having to work hard to find the bits that have been dropped to get enough food for yourself. Ruth's willing to work that hard But I wonder how much difference it makes just to have those extra little bits dropped for her. That extra little bit of encouragement to keep her going, although it's a tough time. 
as we share love with others during this time there's going to be a call to meet immediate needs when people are stuck at home they need someone to drop round food for them when they can't there may be times when people are just really low and needing a phone call right now to help them but with those stresses taken care of those people we've helped are then empowered that they can go on and help others you see this is the thing nobody needs to feel like they are powerless in this situation like they have nothing to contribute even if you're self-isolating at home as others help you so you're empowered and encouraged to go on and help others maybe if you're stuck at home you can drop a phone call to somebody else to encourage them maybe you can make a video call or perhaps if you're not able to make a video call yourself you can be encouraging others who who don't have the technology that's needed to do that by sticking with just a regular phone call nobody should be sitting at home during this time feeling they have nothing to give let's meet the immediate needs and let's empower each other to find the ways in which each and every one of us can help and encourage during this time let's get back to ruth gleaning in the field now as we've already seen it just so happened that the field she was working in belonged to this guy called boaz and boaz happens to come along on the day she's gleaning there now i want us to think for a moment about how she's greeted there so when boaz arrives he asks his workers who does that young woman belong to now i can imagine that that feels a little uncomfortable for some of us we don't like the idea of belonging to people and the translation sounds a bit funny for us it feels wrong to say of someone who does she belong to we we like to think that we we're, we're independent we don't belong to others there was a sense in that time though that women did belong to either their fathers or their husbands but i particularly like the way the message translation puts this verse it says that boaz asked who is this young woman where did she come from everybody comes from somewhere we we all have a place where we belong not in the sense of being owned by others but in the sense of others having a responsibility towards us now notice in the passage about how the servants respond saying who she belongs to they say she's a moabite who came back from moab with naomi what does it mean to be described in this way they're making it very clear she comes from moab she's not from israel she's not an israelite she belongs in moab and perhaps therefore she's not our responsibility how does boaz then greet her though does he say hi there moabite no he calls her my daughter he addresses her as one who belongs as one who is part of the family now it turns out that boaz is following another one of god's laws here in leviticus 19 again god says to his people when a foreigner resides among you in your land do not ill treat them the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born love them as yourself for you were foreigners in egypt i am the lord your god 
Now, this is really important. It's not simply a case of, yes, Ruth can glean here in this field as a foreigner. But this is a person who's going to belong here, who we're going to build relationship with. By belonging here, Ruth gets protection. The simple truth is that as a woman on her own, she was really vulnerable. And Boaz instructs her to stay and glean in his field because as a woman on her own, in many of the fields she could glean in, she would most likely be attacked and possibly even raped. She is very vulnerable. But Boaz tells her, my daughter, come and glean here. And he tells his workers to look out for her. She is part of this family now. We are caring for her. We are protecting her. And here's the thing. What Ruth needs isn't just food. It's somewhere to belong. Because when we belong somewhere, all of our other needs tend to naturally be taken care of. Because we've got people who, looking, who are looking out for us. If you belong somewhere, you have family who are going to care for you, who are going to prioritise your needs as much as they are their own. And so actually, what we need to be considering right now is who are the people who don't belong, who are vulnerable, who need that protection. I'm sure many of you are already looking out for the people who belong with you. Perhaps a lot of us are looking out for older relatives, perhaps elderly parents who need to be isolating right now. And so we're making sure that, that they're getting their, their food delivered to their doorstep, that their needs are being met. I'm sure many of us are making more effort right now to, to phone our, our parents and other relatives to make sure they're doing okay. But what about the people in our community who don't belong in that sense, who haven't got that network of support around them to offer protection. We have a responsibility to find those people and to make them belong with us, that we will be their protection. We will be the ones looking out for them. We can be the place where they belong. I've been so encouraged just in this week, seeing how local communities are already doing that. The connections in many of the towns and villages where folk are getting in touch saying, hey, I'm here to help. I can run errands for people if needed. There's conversations happening over garden fences that perhaps wouldn't usually. My prayer is that everyone will find a place to belong in, in what's going on there. Let's make sure we're not missing someone. Perhaps if someone isn't connected already and they're not hearing these messages of offering support, let's look for those people and invite them to belong with us. Can we do more than fetch food for them? Can we invite them to belong with us as though they're part of our wider family? Can we offer them that protection? You've perhaps seen our isolated, not alone graphic that we've been using on some of our Facebook posts and on our website. I chose that picture of windows specifically because I think there's a call right now to open windows into our lives. Now, we obviously can't do that by popping in for a cup of tea with people, but we can chat through open windows. 
whether that's a physical window and we stand at the end of the driveway to chat, or whether it's through a virtual window online. Let's make our goal this week to be opening windows into our lives so that people can come and belong with us. Let's ensure that those who are isolated are not alone. Thought that I want us to consider. Let's just read verse 21 where Ruth has done her day gleaning in the field and she's gone back home to Naomi to share the brilliant news of, of how much she's got from these people she's met. In verse 21, it says, Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. This help that she's getting in Boaz's field, this protection, is long term. It's not just for one day. And that's important. In this current crisis, we're seeing so many new connections building, so many new ideas of people supporting each other, which is so good to see. I'm really excited to see how that's going to develop in the coming weeks. But I pray that it will last. The indications are at the moment from what we're hearing from the government and the experts is that this is going to be a long process. We're not going to be out of this current situation anytime soon. It's not going to be a short journey that we're on. We need to be prepared to be looking out for others, to sharing with others, to, to be giving for others for a long time. And my prayer is that it won't simply last until this current coronavirus pandemic is over, but that that sense of community that grows during this time, that sense of looking out for our neighbours, that care will carry on beyond this time. And so the challenges I want to leave you with this morning, guys, is will you love others? during this time. Even the people who've bought all the loo roll, will you love them? Will you share God's love with others? Will you encourage them with the promises that God has given us? Will you open windows into your life so that others can belong with you? And are you in this for the long haul? The Bible is full of stories of, of God's people going through times of crisis. But through it all, he repeats his promise to them again and again. I will never leave you or forsake you. And in the New Testament, Jesus promises us, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. God will always be here. We are never alone. Let's stick close to him during this time. Hold on to his truths, which never change. Just because our circumstances are different now, God's truths still hold. His promises still hold. We've got a journey ahead of us, and it's going to be a tough journey. But his promises still stand, and he is faithful. Let's worship him now.